There is a great deal of confusion about what you mean when you talk about freedom. It's very easy and very tempting to confuse freedom with wealth or power. The citizen of the United States today is wealthier than his counterpart 100 years ago, but he is by every dimension less free than he was 100 years ago. Let freedom Welcome back to Freedom's Call. And now here's your host, Brett Sterley. Welcome back, everybody, to Freedom's Call. We are being joined by Senator Mike Moon. Uh, Senator Moon represents the 29th District in Missouri and is also a candidate for the Missouri 7th Congressional District uh, seat. Uh, Senator Moon, welcome to Freedom's Call. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome, Brett. It's been a Republican-controlled legislature just in for what the last maybe 15 years something like that uh uh-huh that that could be i don't know the exact numbers but i think you're probably right i I mean we're not california to where one party has a stranglehold on both state government and their federal delegation i mean this is this has ebbed and flowed and it's gone back and forth and honestly i mean i would have to go back and take a look but i mean i mean my guess is that probably we've had a little bit more democrat representation throughout the history of missouri than what we have Republican. I'm, I'm not 100% for sure on that, but I, I know it's not been dominant Republican. And so you, you, you talk about these, all these different maps, the 7-1 map and the 6-2 map and the strong 7-1 and the weak 7-1s. And all. So what we're looking at is we would end up with potentially a, uh, a, a third Democrat representative in the Missouri delegation. Is that, is that how that happens? Well, I'm thinking particularly of uh, St. Louis. Of course, we can't change that one. That's the first district. The fifth district is Kansas City or Jackson County. And I'll come back to that one if I don't forget to tell you what I think could happen there. The second district could be the third that you're talking about because the first and the fifth, St. Louis and Kansas City, um, they, they both have Democrat representatives at this point. The second district uh, has part of St. Louis County and St. Charles counties, and those that particular county, uh, if drawn in a certain way, could make that more of a competitive district, so that a Democrat could win that seat. That that's where we could get into a five-three map. Well, that, that's interesting, and you know we hear we hear about this word that we've just been beaten over the head with fairness. You know, and that's that's a rather subjective measure. You know, if you if you look at what's been happening in Democrat-controlled states, I mean, they've been hemorrhaging population the past ten years. I was looking at Nate Silver's uh, five thirty eight uh, project uh, project and his his website. He he projects that Democrats have just through this redistricting process have picked up about eleven House seats. Was the last estimate that I had seen, mm-hmm. and. With with all this population fleeing blue Democrat-controlled states and going into purple and red, uh, more Republican states, how exactly are they um, accomplishing this increase in representation by losing population? Gerrymandering is is really how they're doing it, which is legal, and mm-hmm. that all is all the more reason for us in Missouri to take a strong, firm stance to say the Democrats are going to come kicking and screaming, saying it's not fair to uh, redraw 
Jackson County and with some other counties to make it a competitive district. But what do you suppose they would do if they had the majority and they had the ability to redraw the maps themselves? Yeah, well, they're doing it right now. We're seeing this in other states. <laughs> Absolutely they are. And so that's all the more reason to, uh, to be fair and do what the trends have been showing over the last uh, several elections. So I, I don't uh, apologize for it, but yet we have some, uh, I'm just going to call them weak Republicans. I'm not sure why they don't want the conflict, but they're not willing to take it head on. They're willing to compromise and just settle for whatever makes it easy. And uh, as long as we continue that attitude, uh, we're going to continue going down the drain. Well, and yeah, I, I can, I completely, I completely agree. And I mean, my, my idea of fairness is this, is everybody playing by the same rules? You know, if we draw this map, the seven one map, then we're going to be sued. And then we just completely lose control of the whole entire redistricting process to some judge that is going to draw the lines here for us. I'm yeah. sorry. That's a good point, Brett. And I didn't mean to, to step in the case right there, but, no. but um, I believe secretary of state, Jay Ashcroft has it right. If we don't produce a map by the end of session, then the courts can't have jurisdiction. But if we produce a map and someone challenges it, the only result could be with them sending it back to the legislature for us to work on it some more. They have no jurisdiction unless we don't produce something. So let them take us to court all they want to. Uh, in past cases, the U.S. Supreme Court has upheld what the legislatures have done. Even gerrymandering is considered legal. And so we shouldn't be uh, succumbing to those false rumors, because that's what they are. Rumors only to create fear and to uh, create a stir among people outside the Capitol say, oh, you got to just, just get something done. You got to get something done. That's not true. We have a lot of time. We've got till the end of session, middle of May. I don't think it's going to take quite that long, but uh, the, the fear uh, causes some uh, knee-jerk reactions and we shouldn't be uh, influenced by that at all. So basically what, what has happened here is that the Senate Conservative Caucus have been filibustering. Where, where, does, that, where does that stand now? And I think 2117 has been tabled. Is that correct? Um, it has been, but it's, there, there's still some behind-the-scenes discussion going on. And the filibuster actually ended on Saturday. I don't remember what time it was, 4 or 5 o'clock. And we adjourned until Tuesday of this week. And uh, I didn't know exactly what they were going to bring up because they didn't tell us. And oftentimes they don't tell those of us in the conservative caucus. But when we finally got back into session, they uh, took up House Bill 672, I think is the number. It's the fast track legislation, which will essentially uh, allow older folks who are making less than $80,000 a year to go back to college, tuition, book free, and uh, learn a new trade. And we, if, if you want to talk a bit more about that, I'd be happy to. But when we, um, when we got there, we, we began adding um, uh, amendments to it, and those failed as, as well. But the, the filibuster for the maps actually uh, stopped as of Saturday, last Saturday. Okay. Yeah, I, it was it was funny because I when I when I um, when I woke up uh, I guess whenever I was doing something like mid mid morning Saturday I 
I went to see, I had to look up something on the Senate website and I looked at the Senate message board and it said the Senate was in session. I'm just like, Oh, wait a minute. I've got to refresh my, I have to refresh <laughs> my screen. This isn't right. It came back up the same thing. And I'm like, so then I got on the floor debate and I'm like, well, what in the world is going on here? It's just, uh, I, I can't remember. I can't remember the Senate being in session on a Saturday. <laughs> That's the first time the legislature has been in session from my recollection. And if it has been, it's been a long time ago. And Fridays are typically unusual, except for maybe one or two, two days uh, session. And usually, of course, the last week of session, uh, we end on a Friday. But outside that, not too many Fridays. What do you think that, let's specifically look maybe at Senate Republican leadership, you know, why do you think that they're reluctant to use their supermajority status to have you know, the greatest, the greatest possibility of having the most represent Republican representation representation possible. I'm going out on a limb here, Rhett, but I believe that we need to pay close attention to what uh, Republicans do. And part of that is the bills they file and the votes they take. And if you look back at some of these guys, you'll probably find that um, they haven't been on the Republican side on most every issue. Hmm. And so you have to ask the question, are they really Republicans? And, and I'm, I'm not going to answer that question. I think that's just out there for the listeners to try to come to a conclusion on. <clears throat> so I think that's partly the issue. <clears throat> we need to pay attention to who we're electing. Uh, and then when they don't do what they say and, and promised, and if it's not according to uh, the Republican Party platform, and it is for liberty and freedom, then we need to work very hard to unelect them and put someone else in their place. There could be, as I mentioned earlier, some outside influences at play, uh, whether it be Palm Strategic and some of the monies that they have to, um, uh, to pass around. Uh, it could be uh, other things about, you know, you talked about fairness, not wanting to... Um, disenfranchise themselves with a, a group they've been loyal to or that's been loyal to them. So there could be a lot of things. And there, there are some who just don't like the way the map is drawn, whether it be a 7-1 or a 6-2 or whatever. Seems like that's been a large part of the disagreement where you satisfy one and the redrawing dissatisfies another. So you redraw it to uh, to satisfy the, the ones who are not happy and then you make someone else unhappy. So it, it's a, it's an arduous process. And uh, I'm grateful to those who are involved in it uh, on the day to day. Uh, at some point that we're going to have to agree uh, that it's not going to be perfect, but I don't think we should settle for anything less than either a seven, one or a six, one, one. There's no reason in the world to say, look, we've got a six, two right now that is weak and potentially could, lose another seat, we should not settle for that whatsoever. Well, that's, uh, that's certainly, uh, cer certainly in interesting. It's been interesting to watch here and mm -hmm. we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll shift gears here, um, on, uh, another, another story that, uh, um, from, uh, from what will be this past Wednesday when this, when our show airs, I guess, uh, I guess we'll call it overall gate. 
Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what else to what else to call it here, but this I just wanted to read, uh, uh, just kind of do a little segue and read briefly from an um, article in Missouri Times by Kate and Sh Caitlin Schalhorn um, about this. And it says, last week, Senator Mike Moon stood on the floor in a tan sports coat, white dress shirt, blue stripe tie, and brown dress shoes, as well as blue jean overalls. And on Wednesday, Moon took to the floor to announce he'd been stripped of all his committee assignments. So what, what, it, what exactly is the situation there? And I guess, and what, uh, what, what, ha what happened and, and what message were you looking to deliver? Well, one correction I'd have in Caitlin's description there, uh, she was right on the, the apparel above the feet, but on the feet were uh, tan boots. I, I usually wear wear boots, but I mean that's that's just a slight slight correction. But she was right; she couldn't see him. I don't think from her perspective uh, in the media uh, area. But um, what happens typically on Thursdays in my office is from the beginning of last session and carrying over into this one. On Thursdays, I cook breakfast, and I usually wear overalls to cook. And um, we invite this, the representatives from the 29th uh, Senatorial District. And then we include another group uh, to round it out from the staff to uh, other senators' offices, maintenance groups, and all that. So just to, to show our appreciation to them. Sure. On this particular Thursday, we, had, uh, we just began a mentorship program for high school kids in the area. And we had five students in my office, three chaperones, and four additional staff members. And uh, my office is my changing room. <clears throat> and so uh, breakfast ended. Uh, the students and their uh, chaperones and our staff were there. And so I didn't change clothes. I just donned a tie and went up to the session. And uh, I was sitting in my chair listening to the, uh, the debate that was going on and Senator Schatz approached me from the behind and said, uh, Mike, what are you doing? <clears throat> and I just turned my head and said, I'm listening to debate. He repeated the question, what are you doing? And I said, Dave, I said, I'm sitting here listening to the debate. And he said, you're, you're making a mockery of the Senate. And I said, by sitting here listening to the debate, I'm making a mockery of the Senate. He said, the way you're dressed, I said, Dave, I've got a, a, a suit or a coat, a tie, shirt, boots. And he said, if you don't go change right now, there'll be ramifications. So at that point I stood up and I said, so what do you mean by ramifications? He said, well, you'll find out. So I, I uh, immediately turned my attention to the president, pro, uh, the president who at that time um, at the dais was Lieutenant Governor Mike Kehoe. So I, I inquired of the, the president, I said, you know, I've, I've been looking through the rules and I found nothing that I violated in the rules. Uh, I, and I said, so what have I done here uh, to, to violate? And he said, well, I've not been notified of any violation of the rules, Senator. So at that time I sat down. And, and then um, it wasn't immediately, but shortly after, Senator from the 8th, Mike Searpoy, rose for a point of personal privilege. And I believe he was, I believe it was introduced a guest. And um, actually, he was talking about former Senator Jim Lemke. And uh, he essentially read Lemke the Riot Act 
not making him look good about his associations and this and that. And uh, when, when you think about a break in decorum, what I did wearing overalls was really not that much. What S Senator Mike Sirpoy did, though, was an egregious violation of Senate decorum. Yet my committees are stripped and nothing is done to Senator Mike Sirpoy. <clears throat> so as I look back at this and determine why was this action so stringent against me, and it goes back to my first session. <clears throat> uh, I, as a newbie, just trying to follow what I thought was the right path, um, challenged uh, Senator Dave Schatz and one of his um, uh, determinations on a point of order. And I made a motion, what's called appeal, appealing the ruling of the chair, which means that I don't agree with what you said. And so I want you to prove yourself. Well, I was immediately uh, approached by two senators who told me, we don't do that here. And I said, I just did. <laughs> and they said, well, there may be another way to, to handle this and get the resolution you want. So in a matter of time, they convinced me that, well, I'll, I'll repeal or uh, withdraw my appeal. And the following day, I was called into Senator Schott's office. And he said, you know, what you did yesterday comes with consequences. And I said, like what? And he said, well, stripping you of your committees could be one. And I thought to myself, you got to be kidding me because I'm employing what is a rule uh, and just questioning your uh, decision there. You would strip me of my committees. I didn't say that out loud, but I was thinking it. Well, <clears throat> fast forward to this uh, uh last session, I guess, veto session, there was a, a bill that I'd been working on since 2016 to have refunds from the Department of Revenue to businesses who were audited and found liable for tax, um, uh, tax liabilities, but they were actually wrong in what they did. They charged these companies uh, pretty good substantial sums of money. And so now we need want to restore these companies and these businesses of the money that was actually stolen from them. Hmm. Well, make a long story short, the bill was uh, veto was overridden by the governor. And I was told that I couldn't bring up the override motion because I wasn't the bill handler. In this case, the uh, chair of the appropriations committee. So I went to the chair and asked him if he would bring up the motion. And he told me no. And the reason was, he said he didn't think it was right for us to override a veto of a governor of our own party. Well, I disagreed because I thought this was not political. It should be something that's done to right the wrong that was perpetrated against the business owners of Missouri. And he said he wouldn't bring it up. So I said, well, I will. And so when I rose to make the motion, uh, Lieutenant Governor Kehoe was at the, the dais again, and he uh, said, Senator, you're not recognized for that motion. And I asked by what authority? And he said, Senate tradition, which we have a constitution, which is overarching in the rules. We have a rule book for the Senate and then Senate tradition, which they're not written. And I've asked for on several occasions, would you give me a list of these traditions? So I'd, uh, I don't want to trample any more of them. And I've uh, violated a few apparently, but no one will provide a list. And so in any case, with this point of order that was made on 
the uh, veto override with my motion, uh, we debated for about five hours. The um, President Pro Tem issued um, his ruling, and it was totally off base, I believed. And he told me that, or I appealed his ruling, and uh, I wouldn't wouldn't budge until finally they assured me that the motion would be made by the appropriations chair. In this case, was Dan Hegeman. I withdrew my motion again. The motion was made, but because of their their opposition to it, he verbally op opposed the override and, and it lost by votes. And so then fast forward to this year, keeping all those things in mind, <clears throat> um, the filibuster of 31 plus hours, uh, they didn't like, and uh, they believed that we were purposely upholding uh, floor time, which we were purposely, and it was for a reason though, and it was to ensure that this 2117 House bill would not be passed without some due diligence and making it a, a 7-1 map. And, uh, and then now the overalls. So all that kind of put together, it kind of brought things to a boiling point. And uh, I, I imagine they were kind of pigeonholed, put into a position where they, I guess, believe that uh, unless they dealt with me in a harsh manner, uh, it wasn't gonna stop. And you know what? They're probably right because I'm not going to I'm not going to let up. And, and even though they've stripped me of these committees, this gives me some valuable time to uh, pick out key pieces of legislation that we need to kill. And uh, I have time to rest and uh, put my efforts on filibustering if necessary uh, or going to other senators and finding out what their priorities are and try to help them pass their bills, too. So uh, this puts me in a great spot and uh i'm not sure what else to say except they uh underestimated what the potential of this could be well you know i i i know that i know that's frustrating i'm sure that you're 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 probably your your questioning of uh, uh governor parsons uh selection to head the department of health and senior services donor uh, donald uh uh off probably might have weighed into that that decision as well. It's hard. hard I forgot, hard, I forgot hard about that. Yeah, I, I forgot about that. And certainly it could have because uh, they weren't happy about that either. And I, I filibustered myself for three hours until we were able to get that um, nomination killed permanently. And so, yeah, all those things together, um, I guess I had it coming. <laughs> Well, and all and all these and all these things are part of the Senate rules, save for the 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 mysterious book of secrets that has the the Senate traditions, I guess, uh, uh, list listed in it. So, uh, mm -hmm. so yeah, I mean, if you don't want any, if these if these aren't if these aren't uh, you know parliamentary procedures you want to have used, then 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 change the rules and to where right. you don't you know, allow those things. Well. Well, that's that's interesting, and uh, I, I really appreciate your explanation there, and 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 giving and giving color to that and, and background, and um, you know it it'll be uh, let's see, we've got another what three months of uh, of session to go here, mm -hmm. and well, hopefully, uh, I have confidence that um, that we will have some district maps drawn at some point in time. I mean, filing. I think filing for public office opens up what next Wednesday? Is that correct? The twenty second. Uh, the twenty second. I'm not sure which day that falls, but uh, yep, it will. Maybe Tuesday. I'm not sure. Might be might be Tuesday. Yeah. So, yeah. 
So, well, at, at, at some point in time, people are going to have to know what, you know, what, what district they're running in, what seat they're running for and who they need to go uh, campaign to. So, yeah. uh, so hopefully that yes. gets resolved. Yeah, I think it will. And, and one unique uh, thing with regard to the U.S. House seats is the Constitution does not require you live in the district which you're running in or which seat you're representing. And, and of course, you know, that's kind of a nuanced thing. Uh, but you're right. Uh, at some point in time, you need to know who your uh, constituents will be. And I'm sure they want to know who their representative will be. So in time, though, we'll get to it. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Well, I, uh, Senator Moon, I really appreciate you joining us here on Freedom's Call and appreciate, appreciate your service to Missouri as well. And I certainly I certainly hope there are smoother waters ahead of uh, ahead for you, but I, I know that you will uh, serve your con, your constituents in the in the 29th Senate District well. And thank thank you for joining us here on Freedom's Call. Well, on on the boat, you talk about um, uh, smoother waters in the boat. Just got to hold on, and uh, uh, you, I, I think you know me well enough that I'm kind of a, a boat rocker. So uh, I've got my my grip uh, firmly on the sides of the boat and. Uh, hopefully I'll hang on and not drown. Well, I know that I, I do know that you're strapped in. I know that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, th thank you very much, Senator Moon. We appreciate your time. You're welcome, Brett. Well, we certainly thank uh, Senator Mike Moon for being here, sharing insights in, into what happens both in front of the cameras and behind the scenes, uh, some there in the Senate. It's incumbent upon us to passionately and with respect, peacefully and constitutionally flex our political muscle and be involved in this process. If you don't like what your school boards, uh, the school boards are setting for the curriculum for your, your kids in school, run for school board. If we're, if we're not going to be involved in the process, if we're not going to hold our elected officials' feet to the fire and hold them accountable for their actions in, in the, the policies that they impose in many instances upon us, why, why should we be surprised that we get bad results? So, well, thanks for joining us here on Freedom's Call this, this week. I uh, hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, when we come back next week, we're going to uh, be uh, joined. Our interview is going to be with Representative Dan Canodal, which is he's a, he's a representative out of Wisconsin, and uh, Joanne Laufenberg, who is the Wisconsin State Director for the Convention of States Project um, in Wisconsin. And we're going to review uh, Wisconsin being state number 16 that passed the Convention of States resolution and uh, just kind of go through some of the victories that we've had. And we'll learn a little bit about their citizen activism and how citizens got involved in order to uh, have this constitutional process move forward. So hope you'll join us there here next week. Thank you for joining us on Freedom's Call. Goodbye, everybody. Well, she The Freedom's Call podcast is available on Spotify and wherever podcasts are available. You can interact with us on our website, freedomscall.net, and on Facebook at Freedom's Call, where we feature daily updates, links to news stories, and special content just for our audience. Until next week, thanks for joining us on Freedom's Call. So I took myself down to the fair in town on Independence Day.